1: Welcome to the Integra X-Files, a place where we'll explore and solve for the X-Factor that will help reshape the future of long-term care pharmacy. Join us to discuss topics and insights that will help you discover ways to grow your pharmacy, stay up to date on important legislative and regulatory issues, learn best practices for operating a profitable pharmacy business, and unlock the mysteries of technology. Join hosts Francis Nahas, Chief Strategy Officer for Red Sail Technologies, and Jim McDonald, Vice President of Sales at Integra, as they connect with experts and leaders in the field to bring you content that matters in long-term care.
0: Welcome to the latest episode of The X-Files by Integra. This is Francis Nahas. I'm super excited to be here with my co-host, Jim McDonald. Jim, how you doing?
2: I'm great, weather's good in Florida. We're back to uh, something above. 30 to so degrees. So yeah. <laughs> this Which is, is,
0: I, I tend to tap out at about 45s.
2: So. Well, in, in Florida at 50 degrees, people have on gloves, hats, scarves, yeah, down coats. Yeah. So we're, we're past that today. So yeah. That's pretty much good. how I
0: roll. Excellent. Yeah. Well, we, as usual, have lined up a pretty stellar guest today. So you want to introduce our guest for folks?
2: Uh Brad Kyle is a good friend of mine. Uh Worked and talked with, Jen, uh, yeah, talked with him because uh, he talks a lot. So well, that's where we brought him into this <laughs> into this call. But uh, Brad Kyle, the president of Dumbarton Group, um, out of Washington D.C. Uh, and I, I know you're uh, an advocate for a lot of healthcare and work in healthcare. So I'll let you give a, a little bio on, on sure. what you do and where you've done it.
3: Yeah, absolutely. It's great to be with you folks today. Uh, So got sort of a long history in public policy and healthcare policy and a niche in long-term care pharmacist and pharmacy. So I'm dating myself a little bit here, go all the way back to the mid-1990s. I worked with the American Society of Consultant Pharmacists. I knew very little about healthcare when I started that position (laughs) in the mid-90s, but learned quickly, was more of a policy advocate um, at that point in time. So worked on the advocacy side. Uh, Of course, this was before Medicare Part D, when the name of the game was out at the state level. So worked at the federal government on Capitol Hill, but also spent a lot of time out with ASCP members um, helping to solve problems at the state level for Medicaid um, from there. And um, then at at one point I came to um, Tallahassee, Florida for Florida State University to pursue my doctorate uh, in healthcare policy, where we get a lot of economics, still continue to (laughs) consult with folks in the the long-term care pharmacy space and uh, continue to work on both federal and state level issues uh, in long-term care pharmacy. pharmacy and uh, just navigating this pandemic currently as as we go through and Congress considers some changes around healthcare in response to COVID.
0: Yeah. So, so, so this will be fun. I took a hard left turn into business, but my undergraduate degree is actually government I interned on the Hill, so this is this is like a meeting of my nerdy passions. That's
3: it. I'm I'm a self-proclaimed I'm a policy wonk, and so I use lots of acronyms. So slow me down if we start getting into. I will ask.
0: I am not shy. It's going to be great. (laughs) So this is good. So you're so you live in D.C. these days still, or are you
3: back and forth. Um, okay. You know, as you know, uh, with COVID, you know, there were yeah. there were many many months where the building itself uh, behind me here, the Capitol building was was closed down. So back and forth from there, um, things move very very slowly at the federal level. Mm-hmm. A theme we'll probably revisit a little bit right? yeah. um, <laughs> today. So that allows me to uh, move around the country as, as I see fit. But we're we're starting to see more and more in D.C. though the the businesses, the lobby firms start to open up, the, even the federal government more. But it, it's been slow. We still are are, are in a pretty quiet phase right now in D.C.
2: So is, is that the view from your office there? The, behind I you? wish. This that's is pretty, a. That's pretty sweet. Yeah, I
3: like that. Is, yeah. I, my rent can't afford this view, but yeah. I sure love it. Um, you know, the majesty of DC is, is not lost to me, even though I've been an advocate here, uh, as I mentioned, from the 90s on. Um, and so the people come and go here, but the issues remain. And, and I know we're going to get underneath it today. Uh, as Certainly, as we, we look at pharmacists and pharmacies, we are not short on our request to Congress to make some positive changes. Exactly. For us.
0: Awesome. Well, well, let's get into that. So, Brad, why don't you give us a rundown? What is this?
3: Sure. So this Long-Term Care uh, Definition Act, the the Pharmacy Definition Act, uh, is really a a push. It's being promoted now by a wide range of stakeholder groups in the long-term care space. So that's one of the one things I want to get out right away is this is a across stakeholders that are, that are lined up to say to Congress, uh, this is a positive change uh, that we want you to do for patients first, of course, but also for the industry. Um, and really the, the way this has been positioned is if this act were to be moved into place by Congress, of course, we we have to go through the uh, government 101 here. We we need ah. to have Congress pass this act in order for it to go into effect. This is something that can't be done by the regulators. So we have to get right both uh, houses, both chambers to, to pass it, House and Senate, the president to sign it. Um, the good news is it's not controversial. Uh, the other good news, it doesn't cost the government anything. And those are really the the areas where legislation tends to get clogged up in Congress is, is when you have a coster on it. Um, and, and the way that, that that advocates are positioning this, really, this is an extra tool for policymakers to really, uh, in in a fine-tuned way, Shape policies that differentiate long term care pharmacy from other types of pharmacy, like a, a retail exchange or a mail order exchange, um, from there. So, at its heart, th- this legislation is is not many words comparatively to what, what Congress typically handles, um, but it does uh, pages get long. any. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, these regulations we get are thousands of pages long, but th- this is just a, a page or so uh, of just straightforward language that, that really empowers Congress. And then it will empower the agencies as they are prescriptive. I think of it as a scalpel for a surgeon. They can get in there and they can carve these policies specific to long-term care pharmacy, differentiate it. Um, One thing I wanted to mention at the top. Now, we we have a federal definition of a long-term care facility. So the difference here is, and and we'll get these words and we don't want to jumble them today, long-term care facility is clearly defined at the federal level. And that's what we all typically think of, our our nursing facilities, our skilled nursing facilities, some of our group homes fall into that. And we have a long history of Congress and the health agencies moving forward with policies that are very prescriptive to the long-term care facility where we run into the hurdle here is we don't have a long-term care pharmacy definition. And so we've had policymakers be, well, I'm going to use a real term of art here. It's been really clunky. Um, over the years to try to get these policies to fit and, and stakeholders will go in to meet with, with legislators and regulators, regulators, explain what we do and they, and they get it. They understand. And they say, this is a great idea. If only I had a way to treat long-term care pharmacy different than perhaps mail order community, so, I would. So let
0: me pull it up. Cause this, mm-hmm. this is my right. Like the beauty of this podcast is I almost always come in cold I can act the idiot on the street, so, <laughs> so we can actually understand them. She's really
2: not. Yeah.
0: Um. So this is super interesting. So any of us who work in the industry and and aren't sort of thinking about the regulatory definitions day to day, I mean, long term pharmacy is sort of a no duh, right? Like it it is very clearly different from the retail pharmacy that we know. You walk an individual walks into and fills a prescription. Really, really different than a hospital pharmacy that's filling mm-hmm. prescriptions on a bed. Like. Anyone who works in the space is different. So so all this is doing, and then let's talk about why this is important. All Mm -hmm. this is doing is saying, hey, actually, that was never defined anywhere from a legal perspective. Mm -hmm. And so today, without this, the way the world works, if they pass a regulation around pharmacy, it it applies to retail and long-term care, and there's nothing special they can do for long-term care, and, you know. There's far more retail pharmacies, and so nine point nine times out of ten, the regulation is going to be steered towards the retail pharmacy model. Correct. Is that kind of the the lay of the land.
3: Yeah, and, and you know, for for us that, that are in this space, both the policy side and then our direct care uh, pharmacy providers, we you, we always tie it back to the patient. Yep. And what we say right. is the these patients have different needs. Okay, where yeah. do, where do we start with these patients? What's going to serve them best? in this policy change So maybe let's give an example and, and i was you know firsthand some of my work with with different advocacy groups on this um we bumped up against this as it related to opioid use okay. uh, that was out there so this was 2016 um and there was a lot of momentum at that time in congress uh to move some legislation real comprehensive as you guys probably remember congress took a couple swings at major legislation and passed two of them um one was this comprehensive addiction and recovery act which had a lot in there around opiates. Um, one of the pieces that was in there, um, and I think lawmakers were right to do this, uh, they wanted to, for certain high-risk individuals, they wanted to limit the number of prescribers that individual could work with or the number of pharmacies they could work with. They right? So, trying to address polypharmacy and these types of things that were out there. Of course, one of the issues we ran up against is when we look at the medication use of our patients that are in long-term care facilities, it's going to be quite different than Mm -hmm. our ambulatory population. We're going to probably have much higher use of pain medications, opioids, et cetera. And also we have that single use model that's out there for pharmacies typically that are there. So one of the major concerns that our pharmacy providers had is sort of, wait a minute, if the Medicare Part D plan in this policy, as it was originally drafted, could dictate who that single pharmacy was yeah. to their beneficiary. So this, this had the potential to create chaos across the right. space where yeah. the facility's hands would be tied, the pharmacy's hands would be yeah. tied. Actually, the way they had originally written, it would have shifted a lot of power to the Part D plan. So, um, you know, what we ended up having to do there was a lot of time, a lot of resources, a lot of education, where I can tell you, in many of these meetings I was in, the the policymakers understood it. They got it, said, okay, we got your model. We know you're different. But we had to really work hard and creatively to try to get them to have language in the law they passed, so it would be implemented correctly by CMS. And in order to do that, we had to use what I will just describe as a workaround. Again, a real technical art here had to define these facilities in which a single contracted pharmacy was being used and uh, uh we were able to prevail I think in an okay way uh, but ultimately what would have been the better tool is to give Congress had had this definition of long-term care pharmacy been in place they would have added the words there we would have been off to the races everyone would have clearly understood that this pharmacy lock-in policy shouldn't work for long-term care we're different right exclude us from there. So that that's an example where um, this really sort of gave the the momentum for this initiative to get a long-term care pharmacy definition. It sort of sparked concern because I think every stakeholder from the smaller long-term care pharmacies all the way up to the larger ones sort of sounded some alarms for us and said, we, we, we're without this tool, without this definition in place, we run a lot of risk of policymakers maybe not intending to do harm here to yeah. the industry, but potentially something could get past here that, that could have really big implications.
0: And you see it a lot. I mean, you look across healthcare and it, I spent the first half of my career working in every other industry before mm-hmm. I sort of tripped and fell and landed in healthcare yeah. and was like, Oh, this is really interesting. And I've been in healthcare ever since. And um, what I realized really quickly is that it is by far hands down times 10, the most complex industry I worked in and I was consultant for a while and saw a few of them and it is so very easy to sort of you know say one thing about one piece of it and have really unintended consequences in some other part of the system and uh, and I think you know for folks who don't haven't spent their career or haven't spent years in healthcare, it's hard to understand how easy that is to do because of the level of complexity
3: yep yeah. It, and I would say there's no surprise that we're here. Nobody did anything wrong for no, this. It's, it's oh, one no, it's never
0: badly intentioned. Right. right. It's, it, and unintended consequences. It,
3: the reason I dated myself at the beginning talking about my time at the American Society of Consultant Pharmacists in the mid-1990s and, and this really being a state-based game, a lot, you know, states are the ones that license the pharmacies, right? right? We, yep. we have the boards of pharmacies at state levels. Some states were more sophisticated than others back in the day. They had a, an institutional sure. license for pharmacy, which may or may not include long-term care, typically included. Hospitals, but so states sort of worked through all of this and continue to do so. Yep. But more and more with with Medicare Part D, the example I gave you with the Comprehensive Addiction and Recovery Act, that all of a sudden now becomes a federal issue, right? We're in the Medicare Part D world. Um, another example we had too is uh, you know our friends over at the FDA, the Food and Drug Administration, they're mm-hmm. trying you know to to deal with the Drug Quality and Security Act and some of the compounded medications, and you know that now becomes a federal level where we, we've we've got the the, the FDA having over oversight of some of this bulk, um, drugs that are, that are being put together, um, for that. And we, we had some repackaging guidance that FDA, um, yes. you know, they really wanted to do the right thing. Um, but at the same time, they would have devastated the industry, um, in the long-term care pharmacy space that relies on the repackaging. Of Primarily repackaging. As as the yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. yeah
0: exactly you know, They're, they're thinking pharma repackaging or they think yeah. other pieces right. of it. That's yeah. There's these other areas of healthcare that just get kind of sucked into the the words, yeah, yeah, and, and so those
3: are just a couple examples of, of sort of the evolution of this issue. Yeah. And I think one of the things we're we're pressing with with policymakers right now is is really the time is, is now to get this done. Yeah. We we've, we've seen all these changes in healthcare. We knew they existed before the COVID public health emergency, but now more than ever, we're seeing everything change and in flux, and and we're starting to see. And this is the reason. I believe for the future, this is so important, is we're starting to see more of those individuals that require long-term care pharmacy or long-term care support, mm-hmm. long-term care pharmacy services that aren't necessarily in that federally defined long-term care facility. Mm-hmm. Right? So we're so now we're now we're sort of transcending that. And so if we do have a clear definition that's put in place like this Long-Term Care Pharmacy Act uh, prescribes for us, that gives CMS the tools to say, let's get those patients who need those long-term care services, including long-term care pharmacy services, but might not be in a nursing home, let's make sure they get those. And let's so, let's make sure there's a structure there for them.
0: So this is basically, not only will it accommodate the model as most folks think about today, but would accommodate the long-term care to the home model that's that's really emerging. Yeah. Is that the... The That's idea. right.
3: And, and so the way the language is currently written, which I, sh- I should mention and probably should have at the top, it's got bipartisan support in but, both yeah. the House and Senate. We've got co-sponsors from Republican Democrat side. So I know most of us that watch the, you know, the evening national news, we, we think they never get along, um, which in, in part they don't. But uh, no, this is yeah. one of those issues where it, it's it's been non-controversial um, and we've actually yeah. had senators and representatives step up and understand the problem. They've actually seen it firsthand back in their, their home district or their home state. And so we've got bipartisan support. The way the language is currently written is it it defines these, these long-term care pharmacies as state-licensed pharmacies. They provide the enhanced pharmacy and clinical services. And so it does talk about the complex uh, chronic conditions. Um, those individuals that were as bi- res- reside in the skilled nursing facilities, the nursing facilities, but then there's some flexibility there. The language delegates to the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services to more clearly define this in regulation. So what that does is it gives them flexibility. So nothing in here is explicit to that assisted living um, facility right. residents because assisted living, again, not defined at the federal level, right. defined right. at the state level. But what what the language does is it gives CMS the, uh, a tool to really carve this and, and allow for what we think is going to happen next. Um, and I'm 100% certain of it is this home and community-based service waiver. There's going to be a major, major push. You're seeing it with the Biden administration. So a lot of individuals are are eligible for long-term care services and supports are going to get those in a non-institutional setting. Yeah. And so this, this, um, language is currently really written really protects for the future as well. No, now that's awesome. That's it seems awesome. like
2: COVID yeah. was a big push for this as well. Cause I think people realized that there wasn't any definition. And when these pharmacies with COVID, you know, vaccinations, uh, immunizations really pushed this, uh, yeah. more opened it up to the larger population, I think.
3: Absolutely. You know, it, it, it's surprising to me, um, having been in this game for a while, I think everyone knew it and, and knew the value of providing flexibility mm-hmm. and pre- being able to provide these services in non-institutional settings. But I think what we've seen with COVID, it just accelerated the dialogue. And and, and in, you know, a lot of the government officials we work with, and, and I understand it, they put a lot of provisions in place to protect fraud. And coming out of the 80s and 90s, we had huge issues with fraud. And so sort of that reaction, this pendulum keeps swinging. And and we had this big push to to really clamp down on what the government would pay for, particularly outside of an institutional setting. And now with COVID, I think what you see is just an acceleration. The reality is um, in taking care of the patient's best needs that need these long term care services and supports, we we need to look to non-institutional settings for that. Uh, Jim, you mentioned something uh, that that I think our audience will be very interested in, COVID. Um, COVID, But one of the things, um, Hmm. I I mentioned a couple of examples here, this uh, Comprehensive Addiction Recovery Act, right, with the pharmacy lock-in. We talked a little bit about the FDA and repackaging, Mm -hmm. Um, but most of our our folks that will be listening here to the podcast will probably understand, because we lacked a definition of long-term care pharmacy, the billions of dollars Congress has allocated for provider relief funds have not gone to the long-term, to long-term care term pharmacy. pharmacy. There's yep. A little bit of Medicare Part B as in boy for some of those uh, that, are, that are providing those services. But over on the Medicare Part D side, um, and policymakers have sort of, you know, put their hands in the air and said, well, we don't we don't really know how to get you this money. Um, and a lot of our long term care pharmacies would say, I'll send you my bank routing information. Thank you, please. Yeah, But, you know, this is one of those gaps where if you look at it and just and I've had a lot of conversations with the regulators and, and certainly with elected officials on the face of it. Let's let's talk about what our long term care pharmacies did, particularly in those early months oh gosh, of, yeah. of the pandemic. How- yeah the added cost for them to go sure. into facilities, to get access, to deliver the meds, their staffing costs, the risk right. that were associated with that. Now, yeah. I think the government's done a fantastic job to help a lot of other providers, but absent this federal definition, there's not that tool for the provider relief fund folks to carve it out and say, okay, long-term care pharmacies, we can give you some provider relief funds for your efforts because we know clearly
0: those costs were up. So does this designate long-term care pharmacies or long-term care pharmacists as a provider? Yeah, I think about sort of on the state level, the kind of provider status discussions yeah. that are that are always swirling. Mm-hmm. How, how do those relate?
3: Yeah, um, it, there, there's a disconnect there, I think, uh, quite frankly. So here, what we're talking about, just the limited definition with this uh, legislation only talks about the pharmacies. Nothing. Okay. It's absent on the pharmacists themselves okay. um, from SAT. So so here what we're saying is, and again, the the regular regulatory authority still, of course, is going to rest with that license is going to rest with the state, whatever Got state it. they operate okay. in. So those are all um maintained from this. But when we start to move towards this uh pharmacist services that are out there, the provider status, etc. Um, Boy, there's a lot of encouraging news uh, from Washington D.C. on yeah. that front. I, I, I tell you, the the government, and this goes back to the Trump administration carried through with the Biden administration. They were very clear about the access pharmacists have to patients, yeah. and for the vaccines and everything else. So, um, very interesting. I, I would say that the the federal government really used their power to bowl over any of these state uh, boards of pharmacy that were reluctant to recognize right. it. Um, from there, so I think you're going to see. Um, I think you're going to see a couple of things. Even though you didn't ask me the question, I'll, I'll sort of answer it. Um, I've been a little suspect over my years about federal provider status. And, and here's why. Um, because a lot of that is going to rest on the Medicare part B as a boy fee schedule, that physician yep. fee schedule. Um, yeah, which, almost
0: don't want to get into right as uh, right. a little bit harder to navigate. Well, but yeah. Exactly.
3: And it's um it's deteriorating. Um so the yeah. fee for service component of that continues to deteriorate. And this is yeah. this is not a partisan issue. We've seen Republican Democrat yeah. leaders um, move that. So um, where we see sort of that pharmacist value playing out are on these different models, like the bundle payments, like the accountable yeah. care organizations, other entities that are willing to pay pharmacists directly for those professional services, not tied to a dispensing fee or a product um, mm-hmm. from there. But I, I would say, Jim, this this ties back to, to what we we're talking about, the acceleration we've seen because of COVID. I do think pharmacists getting paid for professional services will accelerate greatly yeah. because of uh, COVID. I agree.
0: I agree. So, so acceleration is always a, an interesting term to use when you're talking about Washington. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, so let's talk process, right? And in my head, I'm like, is it Sesame Street or where it's like how a bill becomes a law? That's what yes. I'm going back to. Like, yep. so this is a great discussion. I think yep. what I've heard is, hey, pretty much everyone in the long-term care industry should be on board. Yep. Bipartisan support in Washington. And yet we also know nothing in Washington moves quickly. So where, where is it in the process? What has right. to happen for this to actually get, get passed and become law?
3: Yeah. And that's a great question. So the best ideas in Washington go nowhere fast. Right. You know, it's <laughs> that, right. That's a, he a, and I'm a, you know, federal lobbyist and have been for quite some time. And, and, you know, we get really excited clients that come in and say, we've got the best idea. It's a win, 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 Every, you know, patients, our company, the government, everybody sort of great. It's like, well, you, you know, you're on at least a 10 year threshold before right. you maybe even get a hearing on this, this bill. Um, so that, that's sort of the contest we look at Now this legislation was introduced in a previous session of Congress, got a little bit of traction, but there's been a lot of movement. The tail end of uh, last year had congressional hearings over last summer um, I think the the work that the American Society of Consultant Pharmacists have done, the Senior Care Pharmacy great. Coalition have done, uh, the GPOs have lined up. I work with Premier Innovatics GPO and have for a long time. And, mm-hmm. and and across the stakeholder space here, everybody stepped up to say this is a priority. This is the priority um, because it will help solve all of this. So the, the good news, I think the encouraging news is there's great alignment across the industry, um, that the language is workable and that we need to all put effort in getting this done. Great news is is it's got bipartisan support that's out there. Even better news is it's not a coster. So typically with legislation moving through Congress, they'll have to get what's called a score Um, like Mm -hmm. the score of a game, sports, it's the Congressional Budget Office or the CBO. And and everybody waits on those. And a lot of time that'll determine the fate of legislation. And they'll say, if it's going to have a cost to it, we want to have something that's, you know, take a cut on a Medicare so we can balance that out of what they call pay for. Um, So we don't have to do that here um, with this. What we are looking for, um, and and as you guys probably know, legislation rarely moves on its own. It typically gets bundled together. There's Mm -hmm. this momentum. Them, um sure. from that so we, we've got two um we got a senate bill 1574 and a house bill 15 15- uh fifty-six, thirty-two. Uh, right now, we're in the process. Um, all the stakeholder groups are are working their grassroots to try to get more co-sponsors. The more co-sponsors you have, the better. Um, that's out there. So that's one action item for anybody listening today: is to connect with your association. That, your company. that was going
0: to be my next question. Exactly. I was like, what do what do they do? What do people yep. listening yeah. do? And, and
3: they, you know, they need to educate. Uh, all of these uh, groups have materials that are real simple, one pager um, to help explain that. And, and the request is real simple: to uh, sign on. As a co-sponsor to this, and they can do that in the House and Senate. Uh, they can do that with the Republican or Democrat leads on this. So we, we, it's, it's all set as far as not being politically controversial from there. Yeah, so. and there's,
2: there's uh, links on both AS, ASCAP and I know Senior Care Farms Coalition where you can use those links to send a letter to your representative uh, to help you know, push this along from, from the your perspective. Yeah, yep. from the individual perspective.
3: Yeah. Absolutely. And we and you know, we we think phone calls are great. We think letters are are really great. I would encourage everyone, um, if you haven't done it, make the investment and in it. it'll take a lot of time. It'll take your staff time, it'll take your personal time. Get your federal elected representatives in your long-term care pharmacy or to Agreed. one of your facilities with you. Um you you probably can't do anything better for your business from a government affairs yeah. uh, perspective than do that. Get them in, show them firsthand um, exactly what's going on. The these site visits, as we like to call them, um, the legislators love them because they get to be around their constituents. They get to see the technology we're doing. So that that's sort of the the home run pitch yep. is to to do that site visit if not meet with your elected representatives when they're back in your district i think that's more effective than washington dc they get a little distracted when they get yeah. in dc um so you can you can move forward with that and and again uh as jim referenced you, you've got all the tools to talk about this issue and and for them to sign up as co-sponsors yeah. so
0: and and so like i i know from my my college days when i interned for my congressman right they, they've got ago. the office in washington yeah <laughs> more than a few years ago <laughs> They've got the office at home. So if you wanted to invite in and I, from their perspective, I mean, I, I love like, this is, I'm a nerd for this stuff, right? I love going and doing a site visit places, but if they're really trying to understand there's, there's nothing better than seeing it. So if you wanted to invite them in, what's the best way to get their attention? Is it, Hey, ignore the Washington office, reach out to folks in the office and in your district or how, how would you, what would you recommend?
3: Yeah, that'd be my first. My first call would be to go physically if you can set up a meeting with okay. the elected representative. Oftentimes, their staff back in the district are phenomenal too. Though That's, I was um, like, so
0: bigger office in the district than yeah. in Washington, right? I think Absolutely, it was place the size. Um, and so, you know, you,
3: you, I would say to everyone to just sort of consider what what they think would be best for them. Well, a lot of times when we've had these successful, if your long-term care pharmacy has some compelling technology, some mm-hmm. flow to it, you've got sort of a lot to show off there. Or maybe you're thinking about expanding into the district, adding you know new facilities as far as the pharmacy part. I, th- I think that works um, for that. But the the ones that we've done are really a partnership between the facility and the pharmacy. So the <laughs> pharmacy can take the lead on that visit, but you actually get the elected representative to see what happens back at the pharmacy, how the delivery occurs, how the drug regimen review occurs, Mm -hmm. they also get a lot of FaceTime with the, um, and not FaceTime on an iPhone, face-to-face time with the staff at the facility. And most yeah. importantly, with those residents, because you yeah. can imagine the residents, yeah. that's all they talk about for, you know, weeks and months right. yeah. they, right. with the elected representative. And it, and it also hammers home. Um, your audience here is not only the elected representative, but it's their staff members um, right. as well, who are really. Uh, I found over
2: the years staff does as much for you as anybody. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I'm working with Senator Scott's staff and it, it's amazing. I've talked to him live and in person. Yeah. But every week I get something from the staff. So, yeah, yeah.
3: It, they, they really. And uh, in contrast to what folks may experience at the state level, where it's really member driven, elected representative driven with mm-hmm. at, at the federal level, it, it's staff, as as Jim mentioned here, that you want to make sure they understand. What's yep. going on, and and they can reach out to the the co-sponsors, of the bill center. Scott's one of our sponsors mm-hmm. over on the on the Senate side to talk this through to make sure it's vetted, to make sure um, it, it makes sense for them. Um, I do want to circle back though. You you asked me a really good question, which I didn't answer yet, Francis, and that was sort of where are we? Um, yeah. And yep. so um, it, it's as you all know, it these are really interesting times <laughs> in, in, uh, in the Capitol. To say Let me tell you where we've been the last 60 days or so um, with us. That's probably a better place to start. So as you know, the, the big push towards the tail end of last year was to build back better um, that the Biden administration was pushing, which is infrastructure, it's got some healthcare, human infrastructure, etc. Uh, a lot of us close to this, uh, we're, we're hopeful that something like the Long-Term Care Pharmacy Definition Act could be attached to that or part of the procedural vote, they could just do a, a vote, a non-binding vote to just you know, moves this legislation um, through. So this is not controversial. So they can, they could do it in a, what I would say, an easy way, an efficient way. So either tag it on to something that's already moving or do a voice vote where uh, it's non-controversial. It doesn't have debate, et cetera. Um, There's an easy button you're saying, right? That's the one, that's (laughs) the one we want them to hit. Um, And and so, uh, you know, this is a competitive space. So we are not alone, um, but we are well positioned in that it's not a cost it hit the easy button. We've got you know some key legislators that have, that have put their weight behind us as co-sponsors. So we, we felt like there was an opportunity at the tail end of last year, the way things may have shaped out with Build Back Better um, moving forward. We felt a lot better at the end of 2021 than we did at the beginning. Of 2021. If you remember the events of January 6th at the beginning of January really set this up where nobody wanted to co-sponsor anything um, in those early <laughs> months. And so I, I was optimistic as we closed out the year, even though we didn't we didn't get this bill actually moved through the House and Senate for for a final vote. I was more encouraged. I think a lot of our fate sort of just was up to the agenda of Congress and what they were, weren't going to pass. So as we come in here, uh, we're sort of renewed. You're you're going to have um, President Biden will do his State of the Union. I doubt he will mention this, but he probably will talk about drug pricing um, and some of the other things that he's got going on with that. Um, And I think that you will see Congress um, will try to move a few things. I don't know that Build Back Better uh, in its form last December has much of a, a promise to move forward. Maybe some of that gets taken apart. One of the big pieces with that is a push for these home and community based service waivers um, for individuals at at the um, state level to be able to get long term care services in a home Mm -hmm. setting that creates a great opportunity for us to attach to something that's germane um, from there. So I think right now the stakeholders, everyone is um, optimistic about our position, but uncertain about what that vehicle looks like and and the timing. Um, The last thing I'll say about that is we are in an election year. Um, Mm -hmm. So that means there will be limited days that Congress will actually be in in session and and they're going to be really focused as we get into the July 4th period and Labor Day back on the reelection for that. So I'm not discouraged. I want to make sure um, everyone understands Mm -hmm. that. I'm actually very excited that there's alignment across the stakeholders. But I I just wouldn't hedge my bets to say there's a 50% chance this passes this year or a 90% chance. It's really up to um, the politicians. But I, I do feel like the industry has done everything it can to position itself well. And mm-hmm. and that's where some of your listeners come in. Obviously, yeah. uh, you know, we need more grease on this. Uh, we, we need yeah. to get uh, legislators that are committed to making it a priority. Yeah. And uh, we've we've come a long way, but I think we're well positioned. And um, I feel good about what the next couple months look like if we can get more co-sponsors on.
2: And our mm-hmm. listeners are definitely the people that need that are in this industry. That's
3: that's who <laughs> yeah. we're talking to. Does that's this bill it. have
2: a life cycle? I understood it didn't have to be reintroduced this year. It may yeah. later.
3: So, yeah, that's is great. Uh, we're back to uh, government affairs, one one or uh, right. <laughs> government. Right. So um, it was just a great question. So um we're in uh, a session of Congress that will end uh january of next year when the new congress comes in so let's fast forward to the first week of january 2023 the new elected officials after our 2022 election will be seated at that point in time it's a completely blank slate there are no bills except for those that get introduced so if there's no action on this uh that takes us through 2022 and that new congress gets seated it will uh die um, but that's okay. There will be thousands of bills that will die. Um, right. So what we'll do is we'll, we'll look to uh, reinvigorate at that point in time. So um, many bills uh, have that fade and that's okay. Um, they that, they that's, die that's-
0: and they come back as zombie bills in the next. <laughs> <laughs> the next session. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. So what, you know, and part of this is, you said in the beginning, Hey, sometimes it's 10 years in yeah. Washington and hopefully that's not the case here, but yeah. In a lot of cases, you got to be prepared to play the long game, yep. right? Is it, it's not just, Hey, this gets passed and you're done. It's, you know, you continue to, you plant seeds and you plant seeds and you plant seeds and, and something eventually grows. So what, what should our listeners be thinking about? Right. If, if you you really want to play the long game and start making sure, um, long-term care gets thought of and considered as part of these things, what should they be doing?
3: the number one is to to get active in politics. I mean, you just need, you need to know uh, who your elected representatives are. Obviously that at the state level that it's important. And I don't want to diminish that state level, but your elected representatives, we have such a high percentage of incumbents that get reelected. So get a relationship with your, um, your federal representative going to the house and your two senators. I know some of you in larger population states that becomes difficult, um, but you really play an important part for them Healthcare is about one third of the economy overall, and decisions they make. Uh, seniors are using a highly disproportionate number of that. Medications and drug pricing is never going to go away for an issue. So you have an entree. You also represent jobs in the community that you're in. So you know, my long play advice would be uh, if you don't know your elected representative, even if you don't like his or her politics. You got to get over, get over yourself. This is a bipartisan thing we're talking about Mm -hmm. here. It's not left right. So you need to work with who's there and have a relationship. Certainly support the, an opponent if you if you feel like that's in your best interest as well. But having a conduit and a connection to an elected official is the way to go. Uh, support your associations um, as well. They're doing hard work in D.C. Yeah. Uh, they're spending money, but they're spending it well. And, you know, I do want to say we, we don't have the financial weight of the PBM industry here. Not that we're right. against the PBMs on this issue in particular, but, uh, you know, one thing that we have working for us are the grassroots advocates and our connections to our patients um, from that. So I I think that's probably your long play uh, push on this. And then Mm -hmm. I I wanted to just spend a minute, you know, sort of talking this through about what might happen next. We talked about the ability to attach this to larger legislation. We're coming to move forward. And I I think there will probably be a half dozen or more opportunities that present themselves between now and Labor Day. I think once Labor Day hits, we probably are be pretty quiet for the election lead up. But I I do think those opportunities will present themselves. I know the advocates will will be working hard to get that that heard. Um, I also think it's inevitable that we're going to have other issues come up, like the Drug Quality and Security Act, the issue with the pharmacy lock-in, and that creates a great opportunity why the policymakers, while they're working on fixing something in Part D that includes long-term care pharmacy, but they want to carve out, creates a perfect opportunity for them to amend that legislation, put the definition in, and move it forward. I don't know exactly what that is, but over the last eight years or so, we, we've had issues with FDA, Medicare Part D, DEA has come up in this as well, and and even uh, OSHA has come up Mm -hmm. with the destruction of some hazardous materials. So, um, you know, that's one other avenue that I could potentially see this breaking through is when one of these onerous policies comes to the table that would disproportionately affect us in a bad way on the long-term care pharmacy side, really compelling the policymakers to fix that by doing the fix, but getting the definition passed into statute.
0: Awesome. simple stuff. Yeah, it's pee, pee, a cake. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Why isn't everyone doing it? <laughs> it's not rocket
3: science, but it is hard to get 535 people all moving in one direction. I, oh, I mean, God. most
0: most of us know in our own organizations, right, it's hard to get like five people moving yeah. in the same, exactly. in the same yeah.
3: Well, and, you know, the, the other side of this too, we haven't talked a lot about it is we, we've got our legislators, which are, you know, it's very political. We, we, we have some really great people at the Centers for Medicare yeah. and Medicaid Services, FDA, DEA. I mean, they're really good committed. Uh, careerists that are there mm-hmm. that understand our issue as well and and we have gotten some support from them uh, signaling back to congress of hey we, we think this is a great idea give us this extra tool um yeah. for that so we're continuing to, to work that angle with them as well of course the agency response here is you 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 have to get congress to pass this cool. into law and right. and they're accurate about that in in many ways their hands are tied uh, but we've been working um diligently to try to get more stakeholder engagement there on the cms side so they can signal back to Congress that this is something, if they were given this authority, that they do think they could do a better job of serving the patients.
0: Right. Which at the end of the day is, is the point. That's why all of us get into healthcare in the beginning. So exactly. Fantastic. Well, so one of the things we love to do kind of at the end of, end of our podcast every time is kind of, all right, we've talked about a lot of stuff. If you were to sum it up, if there's one takeaway, if there's an X factor that our listeners should be thinking about, and I might be able to guess from some of the things we talked about, but what <laughs> well, would you say the X factor is? What's the thing they should walk away with that, that they change in the way they they operate day to day?
3: Here's what I will say about politics. Don't ask, don't get. And That's so cool. we've, we've got to be sharp in our focus. We've got to ask. We have to be relentless on this because if you don't ask, you won't get. And so, I, again, I think the the positive side is that we've got a really, really nice combination of stakeholders across the board that understand the impact on the industry, but understand the the, uh, the patient side. But my appeal for individuals to get engaged in the political process really comes back to don't ask, don't get. Right, right.
0: Yeah, so that's, that's, that's great was, advice. That was, yeah, yeah, I was going to say, it's a simple It's probably great advice in a lot of areas of life. Yes, yeah, true. Yes, <laughs> yeah.
2: You, you, know, you have a couple sponsors of this bill. There's others, Congress and senators, that are asking for something else. So they're asking absolutely they're trying to get so we've got to ask to get yeah exactly that's perfect that great x factor yeah
0: yeah no that that is awesome and then you know go out to ascp SCP get get your letters, send them to Congress, yeah. and get connected with your, the the district office, right? And see. If yeah, you can get- I
3: mean, this is one of those. You know, so many times we, we've and I've been in this space for a while. We have all these different segments of pharmacy and all the different representatives, and sometimes it's pretty hard to get consensus. Honestly, you know, you've got small yeah. players, big players, everything else. This is one of those issues. No matter the size and scope of, of your pharmacy practice, where you fit in, if you're the technology side, the material side, the dispensing side, the consulting side, really, there, there's a space for every. Everyone. We we need to all uh, use every resource we can to leverage this, use the patients as really sort of the the impetus to, for this change, because ultimately it will yeah. protect them first and sure. foremost. Um, and, and let's move away from any type of controversy here. There, there really isn't and there hasn't been on this issue this is one of those really nice, clean issues that says if we move forward this, Policymakers will be empowered to be more exacting in their policymaking. Patients Patients' lives will improve. So we, we, okay. we like that approach to it. So please do get involved. I think this is an important time as you look at your resolutions for the new year, hopefully you haven't broken too many of them, but <laughs> one of them was to, mm-hmm. to make a difference out there, then we'd ask you to, to jump on board. All these resources are available from you and, and, and by all means, engage your associations on this. Yep. They stand ready to help you.
0: Yeah, yep. fantastic. Well, this has been fun. I love talking a little uh, DC nerdy policy. Um, and when it overlaps with my day job now, that's even better. That's, that's even right. That's been great. 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 spending time
2: we, with you all. Absolutely appreciate your time, Brad. Appreciate absolutely. it. Absolutely.
0: Yep. Wonderful. Thanks, everyone.
2: Thank you.
1: Thanks for listening to the Integra X-Files. We'd like to hear from you and gain your perspective on the X-Factor and improving long-term care pharmacy. Connect with us at integraxfiles.com. That's integraxfiles.com.